Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Oh, hello, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you are listening to episode 173 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are seeking to do something major, which is to simplify our children's nutrition. If you are a parent, you have likely struggled with picky eating at some point in your parenting journey. (laughs) My youngest right now is going through this phase where the only fruit she will eat is clementines. And that is not an exaggeration of being completely serious. She will only eat clementines. And while it's lovely that she likes citrus fruits, I do find myself wondering how many clementines are too many. The reality is that what our kids eat matters. And so today I am speaking with a certified nutritionist to help us understand all the intricacies around best feeding our children. My guest today is Caitlin Cushman. Caitlin is a nutritionist, and she is also the Director of Product Development and Education for Healthy Height, which is a nutritional shake to help kids grow. On today's show, Caitlin and I are discussing two very specific topics. The first is whether it is possible to prevent picky eating, and if so, how on earth can we do that? And the second is how we can best manage pickiness in children who are already, well, picky. Enjoy my conversation with Caitlin Cushman. Caitlin, I am so excited to talk to you today all about simplifying our children's nutrition. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Excited to be here to talk about one of my favorite subjects. 
Well, I guess I should come clean right off the bat and say that I am super fortunate and I know I'm fortunate to have amazingly awesome eaters. My children, my both my daughters eat really well, eat a variety of stuff. And I know I'm fortunate because all my mom friends who have children have the opposite experience. Their child only eats white pasta or only white pasta with cheese or zero vegetables. And so I know that this is a topic that a lot of parents have questions about. A lot of parents think that their children, as long as they're eating something, they're going to grow. Is that the case? What they eat is important. First and foremost, if you're struggling with picky eating, if the kids just, you can't get anything into them, it's okay to say, you know what, right now getting anything into them is going to be okay. Because them eating versus not eating is, of course, the, the battle of them eating is the better choice, right? But food is the fuel for the body. What children eat does matter. But if you're struggling with picky eating and and kids, your kids are just they don't want to eat anything and, and you, you know, but they will eat goldfish or they're gonna eat the mac and cheese. My suggestion would be let them eat what they need to eat. But while doing that, we need to work on ways to get more nutritious food into their bodies because it does fuel their brain. And kids are having an even harder time right now with remote learning. And so feeding them the right food for a focused mind is is extra important right now. As far as growth goes, uh, we know that good nutrition also helps with good sleep, which is also very important for growth. So, so what they do eat does matter. Do children have different nutritional needs than adults? And I'm asking that because I'm thinking about my own <laughs> nutrition and it's not so great. I definitely push the fruits and the vegetables on my kids, but an apple is probably not going to be the first thing that I personally pick up when I'm ready for a snack. So should we be spending more time and attention on our children's nutrition? And if so, why? Well, I definitely, so so kids do have different nutritional needs than adults. To be more specific, protein needs are higher in children. Calcium needs in particular are higher during that adolescent growth period. And at that adolescent growth period, children have different needs, whether they are a, a boy or a girl. But not to overcomplicate things, if you make sure that your children are eating a rainbow of fruits and vegetables, as well as different proteins, you're probably doing better than most. Um, and that's great. You don't have to be perfect. I definitely suggest the 80-20 rule. 80% healthy and good and 20% feeding the soul. So I think if if most parents follow that kind of rule of thumb, you're probably doing okay. Hmm. I love that suggestion, all of those suggestions, because they are so simple, right? And that's what we're trying to do today. We're trying to simplify our children's nutrition, eat the colors in the rainbow. And when we talk about simplifying children's nutrition, I need to bring up the most complicated, the most unsimple thing, <laughs> the most unsimple graphic that ever existed, which in my day was called the food pyramid, but in 2021, it's called my plate. So is the my plate graphic comprehensive? Should we be following it to the letter as best we can 80% of the time? Or is there some wiggle room there? So I definitely think that the change from the food pyramid to my plate was a, a drastic and needed change. But like anything, nothing is perfect. 
for instance, uh, in the my plate they represent dairy as in as in your cup. But surely we all consume our dairy, or really what they're getting at our calcium from more than just what's in our glass. A lot of us, I mean, yogurt is very popular. Also, a great way to get your calcium and to get your, your dairy in general. And um, and I think that that isn't well represented. But I think what they intended with the my plate was was a good idea. I just think. I wish there was a way to meet the two, you know, between the pyramid and the plate. Well, what confused me a little bit about the graphic, besides the dairy being in the cup, was that the dairy portion is pretty small. Why should we be conscious about how much dairy our children are eating? Well, so dairy isn't necessarily something that you need to like limit like the way you would limit a a junk food or, you know, candy or something else. I mean, there is a lot of concern with dairy these days because, you know, uh, sugar has been seen as something that we need to watch for, except the dairy sugar is a natural sugar and your body does a better job of uh, digesting it. Now, this is something that is very debatable among a lot of different nutritionists online, but I'm very pro-dairy. It's a great source of calcium and calcium is so important for growth. And I think that you should be aware of the kinds of dairy you're serving and, and look at the macronutrient content in the whole of a diet rather than considering, well, how many times a day do I have dairy? I have heard rumors, or perhaps I should say old wives' tales, that there are certain things that moms can do when they're pregnant and certain things moms and dads can do in the baby's first year of life to ward off picky eating. And the one that immediately comes to mind is if you're breastfeeding, you yourself eat a rainbow of foods. Is there any science to back old wives tales such as these? Or are they just that? Are they just old wives tales? Well, I can't say that I've ever heard of eating a rainbow while you're pregnant will make your child less picky. I do know that if you eat a lot of spicy foods when you're pregnant, your child may actually really be interested in spicy foods once they're out of the womb. Um, But we do know from research that uh, what can determine whether your child is a picky eater has to do when you introduce the timing of solid foods or semi-solid foods. Um, There are a few clinical research studies that have been done that showed kids were pickier when solid foods were introduced starting after the nine-month mark. So children who started to have lumpy or semi-solid or solid foods before the nine-month mark were less likely to be picky eaters. So not so much what you're eating when you're pregnant, but rather the choices you make right when they're making a transition from... um, or not necessarily a transition, but adding in solid foods. Hmm. And I'm assuming common sense would tell me that when you start to add in the solid foods, you give them a variety as long as the food in question is appropriate for them at that stage. Yes. And I mean, and, and we don't have to get into it, but the other part of introducing those solid foods, you know, with allergens, introducing allergens is a big discussion right now. And when considering how to introduce foods to your child, you should take those things into account. Beyond the introduction, the timing of introduction, the foods that are introduced, what other ways can parents with children of all ages, what can we do to ensure that our children have a positive relationship with food? So there's many things we can do. One of the things that I really like to emphasize is having an open dialogue with your children. Um, They may be little kids, 
but there's a certain amount of talking to them that is helpful. Um, when I was in undergrad, I participated in a statewide study in California where we were looking to see how could we get kids to eat more fruits and vegetables. And simply by talking to the kids about what fruits and vegetables are, simply being like, red fruits and vegetables do this, or, you know, what are different kinds of fruits and vegetables and what are the differences, um, actually led to those children asking for those fruits and vegetables at home and consuming about one and a half times more fruits and vegetables in their regular diet after that study. So that's one really important thing is just talk about it. I mean, even if your kid's already very picky, ask them, why, why don't you want to try this? Why, why do you not like this texture? And making them have to think, and of course, you know, very young kids will have a harder time with this, but having to ask your children to explain why they feel that way may also bring light to why maybe you're having some difficulties. Other things you can do with the kids to help with their relationship with food, no food should ever be considered a completely bad food. We have always foods, we have sometimes foods, and we have special occasion foods. If you create this idea that if they have this one other food, there's an anxiety around it, um, or that like they can't have this special food without eating this other healthy food, you create a reward and punishment system around food, which we all have to eat for all of our lives. And so we shouldn't feel that foods are are scary or bad, even if maybe we shouldn't eat them too often. Yeah, I want to jump in and talk about that because I feel as though I definitely and perhaps many listeners listening right now inadvertently, unconsciously make these judgments about foods that we're passing on to our children. And I say that because just this weekend was my younger daughter's birthday. So there was a lot of cakes. We had a, we had like three celebrations because of social distancing. Uh, so three cakes, right? And I know that I made a comment along the lines of, oh, we're eating too much sugar, too much cake, that's unhealthy, something like that. I mean, that's not verbatim, but that I would say now listening to you, that is me actually putting a judgment on a special occasion food. Is that right? I mean, sort of. I don't think you are totally off track. If you had said maybe at the end of that, but we're going to be okay with it today because today's a special day like explaining ourselves a little bit of why some things are okay. The other part of it is this, if they're very young, you do want to explain, you know, this is a special occasion food. Well, why? Well, oh, because it has a lot of sugar and, and we don't want to have too much sugar because of the following. You know, it's all about the discussion. Um, the other options of if you want to stay away from talking about the negatives of a food, uh, like for instance, my mother when I was a kid told me that fruit was a dessert. So I got to have dessert every night after dinner, it was a bowl of fruit. And she would tell me why I was allowed to have that every night, even though she called it dessert. While she wasn't quite exactly doing it the way I would necessarily recommend we do it, I think she did a good thing. She told me that, you know, fruit is sweet, fruit is full of sugar. And that is something that we consider dessert, except that obviously we want kids to eat fruit more often than that. I wish I could give you just like a straight direct answer, but I think you'll find the way to communicate best with your own kids about how you, because you do have control over what they eat and you can tell them that things are good or bad, but we just don't want to make it into a give or take. You could have this if you eat this, or you can't have this because of a behavior that has nothing to do with your food. You didn't put your toys away today. You can't have dessert. Mm -hmm. We don't want to make that distinction because then when your child becomes an adult, they will maybe 
choose, okay, I did my homework at my college and now I'm going to go have a chocolate cake. You want to have them realize that food is what fuels the body and and you do have to sometimes feed the soul. Mm. So what would your suggestions on dessert be then? And I'm asking because my kids don't get dessert unless they eat a decent amount of healthy stuff. So I'm feeling like you're going to tell me that would be totally incorrect. So <laughs> back to my question, which is, what do we do about dessert? So dessert is a part of life. I keep saying this and I'll keep saying it again that, you know, we some foods feed the body and some feed the soul. And I'm not trying to say that emotional eating is a good idea. It's definitely a problem. But let's be honest, we do eat some things just because they make us happy. And so what to do when children want dessert? It's okay to say, you know, you can have dessert when, you know, you've had your dinner. What we don't want to do is you have to finish the plate because children do have their own regulatory ways of of how much they should eat. If they've eaten a little bit of everything on their plate, but maybe they didn't finish it all, you could make the judgment call to whether they can have dessert. Now, if they shovel all their food down in five minutes and then ask for dessert, well, then we may need to rethink about how dessert gets treated at dinner. I guess that's more what I'm trying to get at. You kind of have to make a decision when you're looking at your child's behavior overall. You know, dessert shouldn't be the reason that they finish their other foods. Dessert can sort of be the reward for finishing their other foods. I guess the punishment and reward system just shouldn't be for other things like finishing homework or reading their book or cleaning their room. We shouldn't use food to punish or reward those types of behaviors. Hmm. I appreciate that response. And I'm just thinking back to dinner, which I just served before talking to you. And, you know, we don't have dessert every night, but we have it, I would say, most nights. And it almost seems as though my children rush through the eating of the meal to get to dessert. And I don't want that either. I want them to enjoy a variety of foods. I want them to enjoy that rainbow. So that's something I need to really think about on my own. (laughs) But up till now, we've really been talking about preventing pickiness. And now I want to switch gears and talk about what we can do if we have a picky eater on our hands. The first question that I know my picky eater moms and dads would want me to ask you is, how can we get reluctant eaters to try new foods? So coming back to what I was talking about with that good relationship with food, let's ask our picky eater to tell us why they don't want to try something. I think a large part of helping these picky eaters is also like a show and tell. If they see mom likes this food, eats this food, enjoys this food, and they still don't want to try it, that's when you have that discussion. Children will generally want to emulate their parents. I also think that you know having a routine in the sense of children know what to expect, you know, maybe even tell them, you know, we're going to try some new foods at snack time today. Here's what we're going to try. Telling them what's coming. Children generally like, I'm sure you know as a parent, do well usually in routine and knowing what's coming. Mm -hmm. For parents who have put in the time, put in the patience, and they're really concerned about their children's, not only their nutrition, but also their growth and their development. What is the first step? Is it as obvious as calling the pediatrician? So picky eating is a difficult thing to define. Even the science hasn't really figured out how to define that. And 
I think it's important to recognize whether your child is like having bigger issues than just they don't want to try things or do they not want their foods to touch? Are they very meticulous about, you know, how they eat something because there could be something bigger going on and you may want to call a registered dietitian or a feeding specialist. They may be having a chewing, swallowing issue. They may have a texture, like a sensory problem. And when you're dealing with that, you just being a patient parent may not result in what you're hoping for. And that's when you want to call a professional. You can start with your pediatrician and you can ask for a recommendation to an RD or a feeding specialist, depending on what they they have access to. I know that you are the lead in-house nutritionist of Healthy Height. And Healthy Height may be a solution for many parents with the picky, and I'm doing air quotes over here around picky, the picky eater. So tell me what on earth is Healthy Height and what problems is it seeking to solve for parents? So Healthy Height is a whey-based protein shake that has been supplemented with the vitamins and minerals that we know children need to grow. The formula was studied at the Schneider's Research Hospital and was shown in a clinical study to help children grow in both height and weight. It was created out of a necessity when one of our founders, who is a, a pediatrician, was frustrated with the inability to get kids the growth hormone therapy that they may need, but with strict qualifications is not in reach. And so he wanted to create an alternative, a nutritional alternative to help promote growth in these kids who are having issues. Backing up a little bit, growth is about 80% genetic, 20% environmental, and about that full 20% is almost all nutrition. And so that our product, Healthy Height, was created to address that 20%. And then there isn't any particular magic ingredient that helps the kids grow. It is supplemented with an amino acid, uh, L-arginine, that is shown to be low in children who have growth issues. However, it's the combination of the macro and micronutrients and the fact that the product is used as an addition to diet rather than a meal replacement that makes the product both safe and effective. So is this a product that a parent can purchase online or buy in a store and give to their child, or should they first contact their pediatrician before trying Healthy Height? Healthy Height is just a medically studied food. It is not a medication. There are no side effects. So you can serve it as directed one or two servings per day um, as part of their regular diet, and you don't need a prescription. You can actually order it on our website at healthy-height.com or on Amazon. But no, it's just over the counter. It's a food. Um, and if your child has a picky eating issue, uh, appetite issues, like I have many parents I talk to have children on their ADHD medication causing appetite issues and weight issues, or you have a very physically active child, even if you're not having any growth issues, the product is a great way to add additional protein, vitamins, and minerals that these children need to grow. You just answered my next question, which was, (laughs) I started this interview saying that I am fortunate to have great eaters. Could I still offer them Healthy Height as a supplement? Yes. Uh, Healthy Height is a great way to add that extra protein at snack time or, you know, at breakfast when, you know, you're rushing out the door and you need something a little bit faster than some eggs and toast. So... Yes, children of all of all, all uh, heights can consume healthy height. You gave some great suggestions about simplifying our children's nutrition, namely 
eat the colors in the rainbow and talk it out with your children and introduce novel foods before nine months and vary those novel foods. Do you have any other tips and tricks for parents who are looking to simplify their children's nutrition? So going back to our conversation, talking about food pyramid and the my plate, I think part of the complication is, you know, knowing, well, how much of something should my kid have? How often should they have it? And a tip I really like is that, you know, every meal can be, you take a little something from every food group. And when you can't fit that food group into a meal, snack time is a great place to fill it in. If you're, you know, if your kids don't want to eat a, a protein rich breakfast or, you know, lunch at school is kind of a struggle and you notice they're not eating what you give them, you can supply that into their after school snack. And that's a good way to know that in that day, that thing that you know they didn't eat, you can sneak it back in. I love that tip and I'm totally <laughs> stealing it. My kids always want a snack and I always say, okay, go find something. But I'm going to be more proactive about using snack time as yet another way to sneak in the fresh fruits and vegetable because I'm looking at the my plate right now and those make up the lion's share of the <laughs> of the plate. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for coming on the show. I have learned so much that I can't wait to enact in my own kitchen. I am so happy to have had you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I so hope you enjoyed my chat with Caitlin Cushman. You can find everything we talked about today in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 173. On next week's show, we are bringing to light new ways in which we can live low-waste lives with kids. I will see you then, and take care.